got to operate in truth, right? Operate in truth. Tell the truth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gator Truth Florida Football Podcast. I'm Daniel, and on this episode, we're going to take a look at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, the Florida Gators against the Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm going to tell you some keys for the Gators if they hope to pull the upset in Jacksonville on Saturday. I'm also going to take a look at some numbers that may provide hope for the Gators going into Jacksonville. Because with this game, you never know what could happen. Games like 2014 happen and also just other ridiculous endings such as 1993 and 2010. For those of you that aren't familiar with those years necessarily, that is the timeout game in 1993 in the mud and 2010 being the overtime where Chaz Henry, our punter, hit the game-winning field goal while a guy you may not have heard of named Todd Grantham says, I hope you effing choke. I'm so glad that we brought him to Florida, aren't you? Anyways, looking at some of the numbers for this game, one thing that I've said for weeks is Florida has been a top five, top 10 team in yards per play. And one of the reasons that our offense is in the 40s as opposed to being up there in the top 15, top 10 is because our defense isn't getting off the field. But And that's shown in how we get so many yards per play, but still can't have so many yards per game. And after last week's games, I went, I looked, and we are currently number five in the nation in yards per play. The reason why that's a big deal is I decided to take a look at some of the other teams that Georgia has played because they do right now have a top five rated defense. And so is that defense really what it looks like or is that a little bit of sleight of hand just because they've had a rather easier schedule? Their schedule was Oregon in the first game of the Dan Lanning era in what you could call a neutral site game, but Atlanta, Georgia is not exactly a neutral site for a Georgia-Oregon game. Plus, it was Bo Nix. All these things, Oregon has figured out some of their offense, but I think that's also with some weaker defenses in the Pac-12 have helped them put up some numbers. As far as their SEC schedule has been concerned, they've played South Carolina, Mizzou, Auburn, and Vandy. In order, South Carolina is 10th in the SEC in offense, Mizzou is 12th, Auburn is 9th, and Vandy is 14th. With that said, Florida is 7th. But again, a little bit of Florida's ranking there is a little bit of a misnomer because our defense just isn't getting off the field. If we could get off the field, we get another possession or two, and that number probably is higher. My point being, Georgia hasn't played any great offense in the SEC so far. Now, I'm not going to say that we're a great offense like a Tennessee or possibly an Ole Miss, but we are better than a South Carolina, a Mizzou, Auburn, and Vanderbilt. That's not to say that Georgia could not come into this game and shut down our offense, but that is to say that Georgia has not faced an offense quite like ours. If we do look at the rankings, they also played, besides Oregon, they played Samford, 
which last year, of course, lit us up the week after Todd Grantham and John Hevesy got fired after that Carolina game. And they've also played Kent State, who is comparable to us in yards per game. They're ranked four spots ahead of us in the national rankings. And in that game, Georgia did somewhat struggle with Kent State. And of course, as many people talked about before we played Mizzou, Georgia struggled with Mizzou. We have a better running attack than Mizzou, and I'm willing to say we have more talent on our offensive side and our defensive side than Kent State. Starting with the offense, of course, we all know last season, Anthony Richardson had his first career start against Georgia. It has come out this week that he did not know he was the starter until right up before the game a day or two before, which is something that we had heard, but I had not seen any confirmation that he had been told so late, which just is coaching malpractice on the part of Dan Mullen to do that. I know there are people at the time defending it. I think it was ridiculous to defend it then, and it would be ridiculous now. To have a freshman have his first start against Georgia is one thing, but to not have him for your bye week and the week leading up to the game, get starter reps and be the guy throughout practice, that's just ridiculous. And Anthony Richardson talked about that earlier this week, about how he, you know he just found out a few days before the game. But this year, he has had those reps. He's also been dealing with a few nagging injuries throughout the season. He's had two weeks off to get a little bit better in that. He has gotten lots of first-team reps since the offseason. This is a different Anthony Richardson, not a perfected product, but definitely better than where he was last year coming into this game. And this is also a Georgia defense, in my opinion, that is not as good as the Georgia defense was last year. That's not to say they aren't talented. That's not to say they aren't good. But I don't think there's going to be six, seven first-round draft picks in the 23 NFL draft from this Georgia defense. Further, they are missing one of their big defensive linemen in Carter. He is questionable for the game. However, Kirby Smart said it doesn't look good. That could be some gamesmanship on his part or he could just be being honest about the situation with that injury. Moving on to some of our offense, obviously the main part of our offense, the best part of our offense is our running game. And we figured it'd be run heavy in Billy Napier's first season. But when you think back about last year, year before, year before that, where the running game was so, so the offensive line couldn't block. There is one thing we need to say about how great it's been to see a turnaround with the offensive line and the running game at Florida. They'll be going up against a mostly new for the season Georgia defensive line who may or may not be missing this player who's been out since week two or three with an MCL injury. And of course, that is Carter, who we previously talked about. So as our strength of our offensive line, and it does sound like Osiris Torrance is back to being healthy which is good for us as he is the top lineman we have and is currently grading out to possibly be a first-team All-American. So having him on the line will be great. Them missing a big piece of their defensive line, if he does miss a game, will be an advantage in our favor. Plus, we do have some talented running backs. I am curious to see whether we see Naquan Wright or Lorenzo Lingard in that third spot. 
But obviously in the first two, we have Montreal Johnson and Etienne, who have both been fantastic this year. I look forward to seeing what they can do against this Georgia front. I know I harped some on the LSU game and the yards per carry outside of a big run, but I think a portion of that is going back to Osiris Torrance being out. Also, having Michael Tarquin back at right tackle will be big as well for this offensive line. If we can be successful or decently successful in the run game, that will open up the play-action game, which Billy Napier really likes. And I think we could have a shot at doing some decent things with that. We have a guy in Justin Shore who has shown to be a lot better this year than in previous years. Does have size to take on many corners. We'll see if he can get the ball in in some situations like that. Of course, Ricky Pearsall with his speed. And we'll just have to see. One thing I don't think would be great going against this Georgia defense is what we have seen with only two receivers going down the field. Again, the numbers of two on six, two on seven, and the defensive backfield is not good for us. We will have to get a little bit more creative to back a good Georgia D off of our running game. So hopefully we'll see some of that. Hopefully Anthony Richardson will turn off a little bit more of the hero mode as we discuss in our preseason preview of this game. Last year, it was close until the last few minutes of the first quarter or first half. And some of that just changing the game came when Anthony Richardson was stuck in a hero mode and tried to make plays where they really weren't there and ended up turning the ball over. And we all know what happened. Instead of it being 3-0, it ended up being 24-0 in a blink of an eye in about two minutes. So what are some of the keys for the offense? The first thing is run the ball. The whole offense is predicated on being able to run the ball consistently. And if we can do that, that sets up the play action game. And of course, another key is Anthony Richardson to make good decisions and not to play hero ball. We have had some turnovers this year on the hero ball. And of course, what I mean by that is if he's being hit or about to be hit and he forces a throw or tries to force a throw. Mizzou did that, got a fumble, arguably a fumble, but it was called a fumble. They got the ball, they scored, and the game was much closer than it needed to be and gave Mizzou a lot of momentum going into half. And of course, we talked about last year. So if we can run the ball, he can make good decisions. This offense should be able to move Maybe not as well as it did against Tennessee, but I do believe if Mizzou could move the ball some against this Georgia D, if Kent State could move the ball some against this Georgia D, I do believe us with one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the SEC now that everyone is healthy could move the ball against this Georgia team. And of course, the longer that our offense can eat the clock, and that's going to be my third key, is eat the clock if you can, the less possessions that Georgia has and the less possessions they have, the better chance that the game gets close and maybe something funky happens. Maybe Stetson Bennett throws us up a few gifts like he did last season. Maybe we get a stop somehow. Maybe we see adjustments. Who knows? But 
you create a much lower margin for error for Georgia by giving them less possessions. And part of that is just playing efficient, but playing slower ball. By all means, I've said some keys this year were doing hurry up when you can. And if we see an advantageous spot to do that this weekend, I think we should. But if we could, let's be efficient, drain the clock, give Georgia less possessions, because it's kind of hard for them to get three possessions ahead if they only have three possessions and a half, and if we can move the ball efficiently. Okay, we probably won't hold them to three possessions and a half, but we held Utah in one of those. They had a three and out, so it was a short possession, which in a way allowed them to have an extra possession. But for example, the first half against Utah, they only had the ball five times in the first half. And one of those was a three and out. One of those was the short field on their first possession of the game. So, but if they drove down slowly against us, that would have limited both our possessions and their possessions. So I'm thinking if our offense can be efficient and just keep the chains moving against them, by all means, if we've got a kill shot for a 40 yard touchdown on a, you know, deep pass or Richardson sees man guys aren't open takes off and hits it like he did against LSU like he did against Utah by all means let's do it if Montreal Johnson gets a massive lane or ETN gets a massive lane and they can break off a long touchdown run I'm not saying don't do that but what I'm saying is for the most part if we can limit Georgia's possessions we can limit that margin of error moving on to the defense of course if you're not heard by now the biggest announcement for this defense which has not been good this season and we've talked about that is that Billy Napier and Patrick Tony, at least according to the depth chart that was released on Wednesday made zero personnel changes as far as the starters I have seen some people speculating that is just some gamesmanship on the part of Billy Napier or it may not be I'm not sure if I like that not making any changes because again my theory is play the young guys if everyone's making mistakes, play the ones that are going to learn from it and build towards next year. I know there are others that disagree with that. That's just my personal take. Also, if it's gamesmanship, for all we know, we may come out in a full 4-3 or a real 3-4 or something. I doubt we'll change formations, but you know, crazy things have happened or maybe we'll see a little bit different than what we have seen. I do know that Georgia runs a little bit more with one, two, three tight ends, kind of like what we do. So I would expect to see more linebackers on the field, but you never know, or we may see four down linemen and three true linebackers. However, we're going to handle it. They like to do some zone running like we do. And so that I think kind of benefits us and it also would benefit their defense and that it's a type of running that we practice against and isn't something that is all too different from other offenses that we face. I mean, it is different from other offenses that we face that are either, you know, direct run to this hole or things like that. But since we practice against it, it's something that we at least see a lot. And it's not like, for example, if you're to go against an option team, you've got to prepare for that specific style of rushing zone running if you don't see too many teams that do a lot of it it's kind of like that where now we've got to 
put in special ways of defending. But since we defend it in practice, that will help at least our familiarity with Georgia's style of attack through the ground. Problem is, Georgia's style of attack through the air includes some great, great tight ends, such as Brock Bowers, who might be the best tight end in the country. Stetson Bennett is a mobile quarterback. We saw him run and beat one of our defensive ends, now outside linebacker, a, formerly a five-star recruit at Georgia. We saw him beat him several times on long runs last season. Hopefully this season, we don't see him play hero ball on the defense and either secure the tackle or not give up the edge as we've seen him do sometimes where he's held the edge and other times where he has not throughout the season. But he's got to get in and make a difference in this game. Obviously, it's going to start up front. First thing is, don't break contain on either side of the line. If you don't break contain, we're going to force them to double and triple team our inside guys with Jervon Dexter and Desmond Watson and whoever else may be up there in the middle, and you may have a chance. But for us to have a chance, we've got to get a pass rush. Starts with maintaining our lanes, maintaining our contain when pass rushing, and we also may need to send some blitzes. However, we can't blitz unless we're playing tighter coverage because last thing you want is for quick throws because then it eliminates the chances of blitzing. That's partially why I've had such a problem with us on third down or whatever that we've seen the season playing six, seven, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. It allows for quick passing. And if you allow quick passing, I don't care how good your pass rush is. They're not getting to them. So if we're going to try something different, which we may, I know in Louisiana, Patrick Tony had lots of tight coverage stuff we haven't seen too much of. I've said before, I'd rather give up the long play over the top with good coverage than sit back and let them get the quick stuff because the further the ball down the field, the more margin of error from things like wind, safety's coming over. I know our safeties probably aren't doing that, but just in case, you know, defensive backs being tight, causing smaller windows. There are things like that. We've had guys play tight and just get beat, beat deep. It happens. They're not going to be 100% accurate, but if you're playing tight, there's a chance your guys get home. There's a lot lower chance if we're playing off. So I do want to see something different, whether it's tighter coverages, whether we abandon some of the false rushers, which if you're not sure what I'm talking about, it's called simulating pressures, where it'll look like you're blitzing five, six guys, but then four guys come forward and sometimes you have D linemen dropping back in coverage. We did see Powell do that at least once at Tennessee. Totally whiffs on diving for the ball and the play ends up being a big gain. And of course, my question, I believe I asked on the podcast in the Tennessee review is, why is Powell Ryland out in coverage anyways? That is a definite mismatch. And those are things that hopefully in this game we don't see is things that may work later on. We just may not have the guys for it. I understand trying to force your style, but sometimes less is more. If you have less plays, you can run really well, really efficient versus trying to run a little bit of everything and nothing's run well. And I heard 
someone talking, I think it was Will Miles talking about this being the Waffle House menu uh, scenario where you've got so many plays. Well, what do you run any of them well or just have a bunch of them? Of course, I'd rather do less is more. If it is just a few plays that we can be more efficient on, I'd rather do that than have a bunch of things we're not efficient. And I'd also, like I've said before, rather get beat over the top and give up a shorter drive than get beat over, you know, get beat by a million cuts. One reason for this, that's a practical matter outside of just, hey, the lower the chance on the deep balls with tight coverage is if our defense is on the field a lot less because we gave up, you know, these big plays. Again, I don't want to give them up, but if we're going to give up a touchdown anyways, I'd rather them throw a long pass, they score, and then now we've got another 10 play possession or something and wear down their defense because they don't have any time of possession, which kind of happened to us the first few games of the season. Then people figured out how to play us. So keys that I want to see is I want to see the contain on the defensive line, on the pass rush, and also that discipline on running plays. I want to see tight coverage, which I keep saying I want to see, but I do believe it'll help our pass rush, which hasn't been the best this season. And I want to see part of that pass rush. I do want to see blitzing. And one final thing I want to see that I think would be a key is finding few plays that we run really well and just doing what we can versus trying to do a lot of different things and we don't do them so well. I'm curious to see what adjustments we did make in the bye week. I would hope that the answer isn't no adjustments. Obviously, on the depth chart, it looks like no adjustments, at least there. But again, you never know. It could be gamesmanship. We could see all sorts of adjustments, both on the depth, depth chart, the you know the day of, see who's actually playing, who's starting, who's playing lots of snaps. And we could see some schematic changes as well or some simplifying of the scheme just to try and give us a little bit better edge. Obviously, this Georgia game is well in favored by Georgia. They're favored by over 20 points. Chances of us winning, we knew coming into the game and into the season, we're going to be pretty low. I do like how our offense matches up with their defense, especially if Carter is out. They do have plenty of talent. We may be able to take advantage of some of that inexperience and also just knowing that we have the top yards per play that they've seen and we're the top SEC offense that they've faced. And it's something to keep an eye on. I do think Georgia probably comes away with this, but you never know. We could shock the world. I was there in 2014 when we showed up with not a prayer in the world. I remember before the game, there was a trivia contest, and I kind of hinted at the story uh, last week. There's a trivia contest before the game. David Green was asking for Georgia, Fred Taylor for Florida, and he asked a question about which UF linebacker, blah, 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 some, something for sacks. I forget the exact question. And before he answers, I yell, Javon Curse because many people think of Javon Curse as a defensive end from the NFL days. Well, he was a linebacker at UF. And Fred Taylor was like, that's right, but 
I'm not going to give it to you because you got to wait till the question's finished. And then ended up giving the prize to someone else. Well, I got to meet him. I got his uh, autograph on a hat I had that day. And I remembered asking him about, hey, when's your son going to get some carries? And he gives the standard answer, which, you know, he'll get them when it's time. You know, he's got to earn the reps. And then that day, both uh, his son and our other running back run for almost 200 yards each. And we win the game in a game that no one thought we should win. So strange things do happen in Jacksonville sometimes. So who knows? This could be a strange year. As I've said before, I don't really pick against the Gators, although I think there is a probably 95% chance we lose this game. On the 5% chance we win it, I think we keep it close. Something crazy happens and gets us in a position where we can win it at the end with the field goal. Mahalik makes up for all the misses recently. I'm going to go with 27-24. Again, I'm up front saying I'm not going to necessarily give a score against the Gators, but on the off chance that our defense shows up and at least gets a few stops and our offense is able to move the ball like Missouri did, like Kent State did, that we could potentially pull this upset off. So 27-24 is my pick for the game. Is it likely? Probably not, but could it happen? I do believe so. I am saying that there's a chance, so go ahead and start your dumb and dumber memes and gifs, and we're just going to have a good time with it. It's always a good time in Jacksonville, so I look forward to being there, having a great day, with family, with friends, cheering on the Gators because win or lose, all kinds of weather, we all stick together. So thank you everyone for listening. And as always, go Gators. Gators.